Chapter Nine of Dwellers in the Hills by Melville Davison Post. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Marianne. Chapter Nine, Christian the Blacksmith. We ate our dinner from the quaint old Dutch blue bowls and the teacups with the queer kneeling purple cows on them. Then we went to feed the horses. Roy brought us a hickory split basket filled with white corn on the cob and wiped out a long chestnut trough which lay by the roadside. We took the bits out of the horses' mouths, leaving the headstalls on them, and they fell to with the hearty impatience of the very hungry. I have always liked to see a horse or an ox eat his dinner. Somehow it makes the bread taste better in one's own mouth. They look so tremendously content, provokingly so I used to think when I was little, especially the ox with the yoke banging his horns, I remember how I used to fill my pockets with nubbins, and, holding one out to old Barry or some other patriarch of the work-cattle, watch how he reached for it with his rough tongue, and how surprised he was when I snatched it away and put it back in my pocket, or gave it to him and then thrust my finger against his jaw, pushing in his cheek so that he could not eat it. He would look so woefully hurt that I laughed with glee until old Jordan came along, gathered me up under his arm, and carried me off kicking to the kingdom of old Liza. My early experience with the horse was not so entirely satisfactory to my youthful worship. Somewhere in my shoulder to this day are the faint marks of teeth, set there long ago on a winter morning, when I was taking liberties with the table etiquette of old charity. We lolled in the sunshine while the horses ate, Judd on his back by the nose of the cardinal, his fingers under his head. I sat on the poplar horse-block with my hands around my knee, while Ump was in the road examining El Mahdi's feet. For once he had abandoned the Bay Eagle. He rubbed the fetlocks, felt around the tops of the hooves with his finger, scraped away the clinging dirt with the point of a knife-blade, and tried the firmness of each shoe-nail. Then he lifted the horse's foot, rested it on his knee, and began to examine the shoe as an expert might examine some intricate device. Ump held that bad shoeing was the root of all evil. Along comes a flat nose, he would say, with a barefooted colt, and a grabbin, chuckle-headed blacksmith nails shoes on its feet, and the flat nose jumps on and away he goes, hippity-click, and the colt interferes, and the flat nose begins a kickin' and cursin', and then, here the hunchback's fingers began to twitch, Somebody ought to come along and grab the fool by the scruff of his neck and kick him till he could set in a saddle, and then go back and boot the shoe-leather off that blacksmith. I have seen the hunchback stop a stranger in the road and point out with indignation that the shoe on his horse was too short, or binding the hoof, or too heavy, or too light, and then berate the stranger like a thief because he would not turn instantly and ride back to a smith-shop and I have seen him sit over a blacksmith with his narrow face thrust up under the horse's belly, and put his finger on the place where every nail was to go in, and the place where it was to come out, and growl and curse and wrangle, until, if I had been that smith, I should have killed him with a hammer. But the hunchback knew what he was about. Ward said of Ump that, in his field, the land of the horse's foot, he was as much an expert as any professor behind his spectacles. His knowledge came from the observation of a lifetime, gathered by tireless study of every detail. Even now, 
when i see a great chemist who knows all about some drug a great surgeon who knows all about the body of a man or a great oculist who knows all about the human eye i must class the hunchback with them ump explored el mahdi's shoes pulled at the cocks picked at the nails and prodded into the frog of the foot to see if there were any tendency to gravel he found a left hind shoe that did not suit him and put the foot down and wiped his hands on his breeches who shod this horse quiller he said dunk hodge i answered the hunchback made a gesture as of one offered information that is patent i know dunk made the shoes he said by the rounded corks but they've been reset who reset em dunk said i not by a jugful responded ump old dunk never reset em i sent the horse to him i said i don't care fiddler's dam where you sent the horse replied the hunchback dunk didn't drive them nails they're beat over at the point instead of being clinched it's a slut job i expect said jud it was his ganglin son-in-law ab that's the laddiebuck said ump and he ought to be withed that hind shoe has pulled loose and broke we got to get it put on then we shall have to try christian said i there's no other shop this side of the stone coal i know it mused ump and when he goes to the devil flat-nosed niggers will never shovel dirt on a meaner dog jed arose and began to bridle the cardinal he's mighty trifling said he he uses store nails and he's too lazy to pint em now the use of manufactured nail was brand enough in the hills but to drive it into a horse's foot without first testing the point was a piece of turpitude approaching the criminal well said i he'll drive no nail into el mahdi that isn't home-made and smooth then ump will have to stand over him replied jud damn it cried the hunchback striking his clenched right hand into the palm of his left ain't i stood over every one of the shirkin pot-wallopers from the mountains to the gully and showed em how to shoe a horse and told em over and over just what to do and how to do it and put my finger on the place and by god the minute my back's turned he'll lame a horse with a splintered nail or bruise a frog with a pinching cork or pare off the toe of the best mare that ever walked because he's too damn lazy to make the shoe long enough ump turned savagely and went around el mahdi to the bay eagle put the bit in her mouth and mounted the mare i bridled el mahdi and climbed into the saddle and we rode out toward the valley river on the way but an hour ago taken by the lieutenants of woodford we had watched them from the tavern door peppers riding between the other two rolling in his saddle and brandishing his fist both he and malan rode the big brown cattle horses of woodford while lem marks rode a bay hambletonian slim and nervous with speed in his legs the saddles were all black long-skirted with one girth the woodford saddles we followed in the autumn midday it might have been a scene from some old-time romance musketeers of the king and guards of his mighty eminence setting out on a mission which the one master wished and the other wished not or the iron lieutenants of cromwell riding south in the wake of the cavaliers of charles for romance my masters is no blear-eyed spinster mooning over the trumpery of a heyday that is gone 
but a miss mischief offering her dainty fingers to you before the kiss of your grandfather's lips is yet dry on them the damask petticoat the powdered wig and the coquettish little patch by her dimpled little mouth are off and into the garret and she sweeps by in a worth gown or takes offence on a thoroughbred or waits ankle-deep in the clover blossoms for some whistling lover while your eyes are yet a-blinking the blacksmith's shop sat at a crossroads under a fringe of hickory trees that skirted a little hilltop it was scarcely more than a shed with a chimney stone to the roof and then built of sticks and clay out of this chimney the sparks flew when the smith was working pitting the black shingle roof and searing the drooping leaves of the hickories around the shop was the characteristic flotsam a cart with a mashed wheel a plough with a broken mould-board innumerable rusted tires worn wagon irons and the other wreckage of this pioneer outpost of the mechanic at the foot of the hill as we came up the cardinal caught a stone between the cocks of one of his hind shoes and judd got off to pry it out ump and i rode on to the shop and dismounted at the door old christian was working at the forge welding a cart iron pulling the pole of his bellows and pausing now and then to turn the iron in the glowing coals he was a man of middle size perhaps fifty bald and wearing an old leather skull-cap pitted with spark-holes his nose was crooked and his eyes were set in toward it narrow and close together he wore an ancient leather apron burned here and there and dirty and his arms were bare to the elbows i led el mahdi into the shop and christian turned when he heard us enter can you tack on a shoe said i the smith looked us over took his glowing iron from the forge struck it a blow or two on the anvil and plunged it sizzling into the tub of water that stood beside him then he came over to the horse fore or hind he asked left hind i answered it's broken he went to the corner of the shop and came back with his kit a little narrow wooden box on legs with two places one for nails and one for the shoeing tools and a wooden rod above for the handle and shoe-rack he set the box beside him took up the horse's foot wiped it on his apron and tried the shoe with his fingers then he took a pair of pincers out of his box and catching one half of the broken shoe gave it a wrench i turned on him in astonishment stop i cried you will tear the hoof it'll pull loose he mumbled ump was at the door tying the bay eagle he came in when he heard me christian he said cut them nails the blacksmith looked up at him who's shoein this horse he growled the eyes of the hunchback began to snap you're a doin it he said and i'm tellin you how if i'm a doin it growled the blacksmith suppose you go to hell and he gave the shoe another wrench i was on him in a moment and he threw me off so that i fell across the shop against a pile of horseshoes the hunchback caught up a sledge that lay by the door and threw it old christian was on one knee he dodged under the horse and held up the kit to ward off the blow the iron nose of the sledge struck the box and crushed it like a shell and passing on bounded off the steel anvil with a bang the blacksmith sprang out as the horse jumped seized the hammer and darted at ump i saw the hunchback look around for a weapon there was none but he never moved 
the next moment his head would have burst like a cracked nut but in that moment a shadow loomed in the shop door there was a mad rush like the sudden swoop of some tremendous hawk the blacksmith was swept off his feet carried across the shop and flattened against the chimney of his forge i looked on half dazed by the swiftness of the thing i did not see that it was judd until old christian was gasping under the falling mortar of his chimney his feet dangling and his sooty throat caught in the giant's fingers that looked like squeezing iron bolts the staring eyes of the old man were glassy his face was beginning to get black his mouth opened and his extended bare arm holding the hammer began to come slowly down it rested a moment on the giant's shoulder then it bent at the elbow the fingers loosed and the hammer fell old christian will never be nearer to the pit of his imperial master until he stumbles over its rim the hunchback glided by me and clapped his hand on judd's shoulder drop him he cried the blood of the giant was booming the desperate savage passed sleeping from his father and his father's father had awaked and awaked to kill i could read the sinister intent in the crouch of the shoulders the hunchback shook him judd he shouted judd drop him the giant turned his head blinked his eyes for a moment like a man coming out of a sleep and loosed his hand the blacksmith slipped to the floor but he could not stand when he reached it his knees gave way he caught the side of the leather bellows and stumbling around it sat down on the anvil wheezing like a stallion with the heaves ump stooped and picked up the hammer then he turned to the puffing giant judd he said you ain't got sense enough to pour rainwater out of a boot why said judd why echoed the hunchback why suppose you had wrung the old blatherskite's neck how do you reckon we'd get a shoe on this horse end of chapter nine